2: Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday once again here on the 29th of January. I'm Dr. Peter Kapsner filling in for Carmen LeBurge, who has been away on vacation this week. It's been an absolute delight to be with all of you and the listening audience, getting the texts that are coming through, talking to our guests, working with Paul here in studio. and. In a world where we've talked about a number of things this week that may be coming increasingly secularized and, and maybe there's a bit of momentum where Christians will have a bit of a catacomb kind of experience moving forward. It's hard to see. It's hard to know. But regardless, we will continue to shine Jesus's light in the world regardless of the social circumstances around us. And our guests do such a good job, Paul, that you book day in and day out from a variety of angles, a variety of topics, just reminding us that we're part of something bigger in this story, regardless of how difficult things might get.
0: Exactly, and we try, like you said, many different angles. We, yes, we talk politics. Yes, we talk entertainment, which we'll do shortly. I mean, we we look at the different different arenas of our lives and how each of them really need to be cultivated in informed. And through our relationship with Christ.
2: Yeah, I'm still sort of think, uh, thinking about what Gary Stratton left us with at the end yeah. of last hour and just the idea of how we're spending our time day in and day out and, and again, connecting it to a phrase I've used a number of times I know in the last 24 hours what we're catechized by or what we're instructed mm-hmm. by and, and intrigued even what you've been doing in this last year and just sort of the intentionality of, in this case, it wasn't getting into the biblical text per se, but it was getting into ways to think about the kingdom and ways to think about the text in, in a very sort of responsible way that can really help empower and equip us. You, you've been su- Swimming deeply in the waters of, of a theological <laughs> text, have you not? Kuiperian theology, Paul Perot. Tell us a little bit more about what you're learning here. Okay, well, it all kind of
1: started
0: last year because Bruce Ashford put out a book. Uh, the right, Doctor regular of guest We here. talked to yep. him. He's great. You, you can go back and search the podcast about that. Which, you know, in many ways, I think a lot of the ideas that uh, Kuiper, who was a um, Abraham Kuiper, who's a theologian, he was actually. Many things. He was yeah. a teacher. He was a professor, journalist. He was the prime minister of, uh, of, um, oh, men- mental block here, what, uh, Holland. Uh, sure. Ne- yeah. Ne- yeah. He- I mean, yep. he
1: did it all.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, because he saw how God and how the gospel connected into those areas to help bring about flourishing. That's yeah. what his goal. And so, anyway, a lot of that came from his idea of what is creation. what what is the nature of it and so that's what that's what uh, Bruce Ashford was uh, kind of trying to bring out and that inspired me and my wife Jessica was gracious enough to buy me for Christmas a Christmas gift the three <laughs> volume set <laughs> I mean, of of Kuiper's uh, common grace, which was a series of articles he did like two hundred eighty some articles yeah it's three volumes and if I read one a day and know'll probably miss a few days but you know, I could get it done by the end of the year, but I tell you, it is is—it is a very different take than I think a lot of us are used to, but heavily scriptural.
2: Yeah, it, and I think when we read these things, about and that's a very different pres- uh, Christmas present than maybe the Ataris of our youth, right? <laughs> to, to get a three-volume set you of comics? You had an Atari? Oh, I absolutely did. Pong <laughs> and Adventure, great games. But, but what I appreciate too. about the invitation here is that... To be an apprentice, to use that language, yeah. it does require blacksmithing our way through our, our weeks a bit more than it with some intentionality that mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't become a good blacksmith by sitting and just wishing I could become a good blacksmith. It's these kind of practices well, that really could do watch form a
0: you know, blacksmith videos I on could, YouTube. I
2: could, I could, and I could, again continue to wish for those sorts of things, but they wouldn't happen. And I think that's the invitation for all of us, right? As we are believers trying to shine light in a, in a difficult world, oftentimes around us, it does require that sort of blacksmith discipleship—that day in and day out, banging on the anvil in a variety of ways through scripture, through trusted theological writings, through um, just working in God's kingdom in the variety of ways that we can. And that's what we'll do here this hour as well. Coming up next, we'll be joined by regular contributor Adam Holtz, who will talk a little bit about some of the media give us some reviews and some tv shows and movies that are coming out and in the second half of this hour we'll be joined by the former uh, new york mets baseball player hall of famer as well daryl strawberry who had quite the journey from the heights of power and prestige into the depths and then the redemption that god brought into his life so stay with us lots to come here on hour two of mornings with carmen Well, of course, those horns mean that Adam Holtz from PluggedIn.com is going to be joining us, and I've referenced it many times over the course of my time here at Faith Radio that it is the go-to site for our family when we want to get a little sense of what to expect if we are going to go to a movie theater, which we don't obviously do as much anymore, but check out something on Netflix or Amazon Prime, Hulu, anything along those lines. It's really helpful to get a little preview of some content that you may want to be prepared for if you're going to watch these things or with your children. Good morning, Adam.
3: Good morning, Peter.
2: Great to hear your voice again, and uh, I Thank know you. that uh, media has definitely shifted in this COVID era, uh, and yet oh, there man. is new material coming out. I know there's a lot of new big blockbuster material waiting for its time in release, but we do see some interesting things coming out that is worth paying attention to, including this movie, Penguin Bloom. So tell us about this a bit.
3: Well, you would think any movie with penguin in the title would A, be a kid's movie, and B, have penguins, <laughs> right. or, or at least flowers if there are things blooming uh, there are none of those things here. This is a, uh, a bird of a different feather. Sort of oh, like well done, Adam. Well different done. Different color. But anyway, this is based on a true story and a book uh, about a woman in Australia. And she is played here by Naomi Watts. Uh, her name is Samantha Bloom. Uh, she goes by Sam. And Sam has a terrific life. She's an avid surfer, loving mom, uh, devoted wife. And she's kind of living her perfect life. And she and her family are in her hotel uh, that has sort of a, a rooftop area available to guests. And her son invites her up there and she's leaning against a wooden railing and it it gives way. Uh, it's rotted. And she falls three stories and breaks her back. Mm. Uh, she becomes a paraplegic. And so, you know, we've seen any number of stories about paralysis over the years. I mean, I think of, you know, the other side of the mountain back in the 70s. Uh, John Ritter was in one like this is a a kind of story that we return to fairly regularly and like some of those stories this one really tells the story of Sam Bloom coming to grips with what has happened to her and she plunges not surprisingly with such a terrible loss and event in her life into a a deep depression Um, but weirdly enough uh, her family stumbles across a magpie of all things and it's a magpie chick with a broken wing, and they bring this little broken bird into their house, and it becomes a pet of sorts as they rehabilitate it as a family. And as you might have you know, piecing the puzzle pieces together, the bird, which they named Penguin, ironically, uh, so hence the name Penguin Bloom, uh, it becomes a metaphor for her own healing process mm. and her, her journey toward understanding that she can find life and purpose and hope even though things now look radically different than they did. Uh, so this is on Netflix. Um, other than the the scene of her falling, and there's one sort of mildly revealing scene as her husband tries to help her use the bathroom, uh, there's not much content here to speak of. Uh, and I think it's a it's a pretty redemptive story, I think, for tweens and teens on up uh, during this time of so much loss. And confusion in our culture, I think it could be a great jumping off point for a conversation about what do we do when things don't work out? What do we do when we're disappointed? Most of us won't have to deal with a tragedy on the level that Sam Bloom faces, but a lot of us have dealt with really difficult things in the last year. Uh, So uh, interesting film and one that Might have, wait for it,
2: flown under the radar. (laughs) 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 Paul is indeed cringing in studio as we speak. No, I know. I would
3: say I'm here all week, but that's your job. You're here all week. (laughs) Um, No, a a great option that uh, it's the kind of movie that that we might not have even known about were it not for COVID. So there you go, Pink. Penguin Bloom.
2: Yeah, so it is PG 13, Adam, but you're saying that really maybe the content might revolve around just the difficulty of the tragedy more than uh, maybe gratuitous content that we otherwise don't there's, need?
3: There's really not much gratuitous here at all. What's cringy is just watching her fall in slow motion. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's pretty brutal without being like crazy graphic, I guess you would say. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, that one scene where she's, you know, trying to use the bathroom, that would be the other content piece. But, other than that, I mean, there's really no language. There's no, there's nothing else gratuitous at all. So a uh, pretty, pretty nice movie about a difficult and intense subject.
2: Interesting. Well, there's another uh, show that's come out on Netflix as well called Charming, and this seems to be a new spin on a very common or old tale. Tell us about this one.
3: Well, Charming is, uh, as you might have guessed, an animated show, excuse me, animated movie about Prince Charming. And we find out that he has had a curse placed on him when he was a baby to have all the women in the world who ever see him immediately fall in love with him. And, Peter, I just got to say, <laughs> as curses go, that one sounds like a pretty good one. That's a little, you know? little different
2: than falling asleep for 10,000 years or whatever, right?
3: Or becoming a frog. Right, right. Know? The frog
2: would be a bad Let's deal.
3: See, everybody loves me or I'm an amphibian. <laughs> I'm going to go with A, right? But the problem for poor Charming is he can't ever tell – who actually really loves him. Hmm. Uh, And he develops a friendship friendship slash relationship with a woman named Lenore who hates herself for falling in love with him because everybody falls in love with him. Uh, And they have a a rollicking adventure and one that I think really emphasizes some some nice themes. Lenore really struggles to open her heart to other people. Uh, And so it's about her learning to to trust and to love. And not surprisingly, when every woman in the world loves you, you become a little bit insufferable. <laughs> so there's some character growth for Charming to do as well. Um, this is done by the same folks that produced Shrek. So, you know, you got your typical toilet humor, uh, you know, a few gags in that neck of the woods. It's not Over the top, but as animated stuff goes, uh, even though it's rated TV, Y7, you know, some of these movies, they give TV review uh, ratings. Um, I don't know that I'd let a seven year old watch it, but I think, you know, maybe a little bit older than that.
2: Pretty interesting. And that has come out pretty recently on Netflix, correct?
3: Yeah, that came out just uh, three weeks ago.
2: Okay, interesting. Well, we're going to take a short break, Adam. When we come back, I want to get your take on some things that are happening with the extremely popular Disney Plus. Boy, did that explode under the scene in this last year. And they seem to be calling out some of their older content because it's seen as culturally insensitive. So I want to get your take on that next year on Mornings Without Carmen. Coming back to our conversation with Adam Holtz from pluggedin.com at about 19 minutes past the top of the hour here and Adam, it's pretty interesting to see some of the shifts and the evolutions in our country in terms of what was once considered to be acceptable content. And maybe looking backwards now, there would be certain producers and and movie studios that would say we don't really want to have that out there anymore. We don't want to be associated with it. And we see that happening within Disney, that some of what were once considered to be classics are now being uh, maybe censored just a little bit in terms of our availability and an ability to engage with them. So tell us about what's happening here.
3: Yeah, Disney Plus announced, uh, I think, late last week or maybe over the weekend, that they would be restricting um, four movies, The Aristocrats, Swiss Family, Robinson, Dumbo, and Peter Pan, uh, from their under-seven rating. So if you have Disney Plus and you have profiles set up for your kids, you can set up age-related profiles uh, so that your kids can or can't watch certain things without your uh, you know, your input. And they basically said, um, that these movies have some depictions of racism that we don't think are necessarily appropriate for really young children. And I will say my family and I watched Dumbo a few years ago Mm -hmm. and I repeatedly felt like, holy cow, I had no idea. This yeah. is not a kid's movie. Uh, it was our first and last time with Dumbo, and not even necessarily because of the racist stuff, but, you know, Mama Elephant locked up in the train car. I mean, it just – Dumbo is an emotionally brutal movie. It's not just yes. happy, happy, joy, joy. And, you know, Dumbo is basically a slave too, but um, that's not what they're calling out. But there are – you know, we hear about redskins, I think, in Peter Pan, you know, there are these, there are words and phrases and attitudes that are depicted here. And I think there are a couple of different ways that we can think about this. I think my immediate response as somebody who is culturally conservative is, give me a break, really, right. Uh, We're going to go full PC on Peter Pan. Come on. (laughs) But I think that when I take a step back, Here's where I would like to leave us, and it's a little bit more, I think, reflective point of view. And if you look at the history of our interaction with entertainment all the way back to the 1920s, there's a constant cultural tug and pull over the values in mainstream culture and what is considered appropriate, what is considered inappropriate, what is considered, you know, adult fair. And in the 20s and early 30s, there were a number of really racy movies like we think of, you know, the early movie time as being kinder and gentler and nicer. But uh, there was some pretty shocking stuff. And in 1934, uh, the Hollywood Production Code, known as the Hays Code, was enacted basically to shut down that kind of content. It was a reaction against the perception of movies promoting immorality. And that was in place until 1968 when it was replaced with the rating system that most of us know now with PG, R, and G-rated film. But that was adjusted in 1985 when they uh, – primarily because of uh, The Temple of Doom and Gremlins were both PG movies in 1984 that were extraordinarily violent. yeah. And they said we need another rating system here or a rating point in between. But in some ways, the PG-13 rating that Steven Spielberg helped brainstorm to deal with this problem um, has created other problems because now we get PG-13 stuff that's as violent as R-rated stuff used to be. My point here is that ratings are blunt instruments. They are a cultural snapshot at any given moment of people's attempt to assess whether something is appropriate or not. And that is complicated by the fact that when decades pass, you go back and, and look at stuff from earlier time periods, and they were products of that moment, and their cultural values were different. And so I think instead of relying heavily on ratings or even getting a bit out of shape when Disney makes a decision like this, as parents, our job is to say we have to interact intentionally uh, and with wisdom and perspective. With everything, regardless of what it's rated, regardless of when it came out, and sometimes that means we're going to have to deal with something that maybe wasn't expected or excuse me, maybe isn't where our culture is at now, but we have a muscular faith and a muscular worldview Mm. that enables us to deal with these things. And so ratings are always going to be a jumping-off point, and they're not the final word. They're maybe a first word that can help inform us. So I think for me— Um, I get it. Disney is responding to changing cultural sensitivities. We can say, have they gone overboard? Are they capitulating to PC culture? Maybe, maybe not. But uh, this is the kind of back and forth dialectic that we have seen really since the inception of of movies and television,
2: yeah, I think that's well spotted. Adam. we just have a couple minutes left, but reflecting on that a bit, I'm hearing a, a little bit of both, and in, in our response to what's happening yeah. here, and, and maybe the you know the first very understandable response is that we bristle a bit when when the chosen few decide to tell everybody else how to think, and that that's understandable on one level. But if we step back and just reflect a little bit and how and, and view this through the lens of compassion and, and put ourselves in another person's shoes and say, well, how how would it impact me if I was being depicted in this way in, in some very unfair kinds of ways are talked about in these ways and and, and judged based on uh, a cultural appropriation or color of skin. So it seems like there's a bit of a both and approach here to, to understand we don't want the thought police on one hand, but we better step back and think about how we're treating one another as well.
3: Well, that's true. And, and Disney hasn't censored it or said nobody can watch it. They've basically just said, we're not sure that young children should engage with some of this stuff without parents, without parental guidance, you know? And again, too far? Eh, maybe, maybe not. But but that's the impulse is to say, what do we do with this stuff that came out earlier and reflected a different cultural time period?
2: Yeah. And if we're willing to shepherd as parents, right? I love right. that phrase Absolutely. that you just use, muscular faith. I mean, we, if we believe we have a muscular faith, we're capable of shepherding along the way.
3: Absolutely. We don't have to be afraid of it, but we do have to be wise and intentional, engaged. And that's Certainly what we try to do at Plugged In is give you the tools you need to make the best decisions for your family.
2: Yeah, and you guys, you do a great job of it. Again, I already referenced it once. I can't say it enough. It really is our go-to site, thepluggedin.com. So if you're listening this morning and, and all these this new content is coming out through various mediums and mechanisms that are out there besides the movie theater and you need some good reviews on that, can't recommend it highly enough. Adam, thanks, as always, for the wisdom, for your diligence to sit in front of all these shows and give us a sense of what we might expect if we're to engage with them ourselves.
3: Well, thank you, and I'm going uh, to gonna be watching the latest issue of WandaVision right now and getting our review of that episode up shortly. I am so, I'm so are, curious. I haven't seen that haunted. yet.
2: Yeah, I love it, Adam. Thanks for being relevant on top of it all. Have a great rest of the weekend. Thanks, Peter. We'll take a short break here for some breakpoint and some bottom of the hour news. And then again, you'll want to get ready for that text line because we're going to be joined by Major League Baseball Hall of Famer Daryl Strawberry and his book, Turn Your Season Around. We have a few copies to give away and should be a pretty engaging conversation with him in the last half of this hour of Mornings Without Carmen. Paul, as we get ready for our final guest of the day here, Major League Baseball Hall of Famer Daryl Strawberry, I was thinking back to a conversation we had earlier this week with the Reverend Pastor Justin Jepson, in which we were going through that very first beatitude that Jesus offers when he stands up and utters these first words that really capture the heart of his ministry on that on that hillside outside the shore of Galilee. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, or blessed are those that recognize their impoverishment and are not playing games, they're not playing pretend. They know they have this impo- uh, impoverishment of spirit, not because that's." state of itself is blessed, but because it invites us to engage with a different kind of power outside of ourselves, to, to bring wholeness and redemption and hope and all of that. So that first step into God's kingdom is to recognize our need for it. So blessed are the poor in spirit. That really describes the story of this man who achieved the heights of success, mm-hmm. uh, the abysmal failure that came from the trappings of that success and found it an entirely different way.
0: Uh, so looking forward to this conversation
2: with Daryl. Should be great. So the text line is going to be open here in just a minute. You can text the studio with the word book, B-O-O-K at 877-933-2484 and you'll be entered into a drawing to get the book that Daryl Strawberry has recently written called Turn Your Season Around, How God Transforms Your Life. Stay with us. Should be a great interview with the Major League Baseball Hall of Famer.
1: This is Max Locato. Peter discovered the wonder of God's second chance. One day, Jesus preached from Peter's boat. Then he told Peter to take him fishing. The apostle-to-be had no interest. He was tired. He had fished all night. He was discouraged. He had caught nothing. He was dubious. What did Jesus know about catching fish? But Jesus insisted. And Peter relented. At your word, I will let down the net. Luke 5 and verse 5. This was a moment of truth for Peter. He was saying, I will begin again your way. And when he did, the catch of fish was so great, the boat nearly sank. Sometimes we just need to begin again with Christ in the boat. Don't miss your opportunity by inaction. It's time to rise up and step out. God has not forgotten you. Keep your head up. You never know what good awaits you. This is Max Locato.
2: It is about 22 minutes before the top of the hour. I'm Dr. Peter Kapster filling in for Carmen LeBridge this morning and delighted to be joined at this time by Major League Baseball Hall of Famer Daryl Strawberry with his book Turn Your Season Around, How God Transforms Your Life. We do have a few copies of this book that we can give away this morning. So if you want to text the word book into the studio at 877-933-2484, you'll get entered into a drawing as we'll send out some of these books here probably early next week. Good morning, Daryl.
4: Good morning, Peter. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. It's great to have you on the program. Uh, You know, you were, of course, uh, one of my baseball heroes growing up and uh, playing baseball through college. I fell a mere 335 home runs short of you in your major league career, (laughs) which meant I had a big zero. So we we were talking off air. I was uh, laughing, asking you the question. It's the 29th of January. Spring training is around the corner. And I asked you the question, does your body sort of go into default ramp up mode getting ready for the season at this point?
4: Not anymore. Those days are long gone. And I'm, I'm so glad those days are long gone. And well, I'm just thankful for the career and the chance to have to play baseball. And plus in um, uh, St. Paul, I had a chance to play there with the Saints. And I had a wonderful time there. Mike Beck and all those people, they treated me so well. Um, so grateful to remember the time spent in St. Paul.
2: Yeah, that's a sweet team that the St. Saint Paul Saints have developed over the years of the fun following that kind of is baseball at its core, at its rootedness, and uh, delightful to have you join us in, in our city during that time. But for you, you wrote a book recently, This Turn Your Season Around, and it chronicles quite the journey that you've had, the ups and downs that is a part of many people's lives. And, and unique to you, you've uh, found God in the midst of all of it, especially towards the end of many of these ups and downs. But, Daryl, one of the things that I talk about in some of my classes is the idea of. Opportunity structure and how there are a lot of kids in life that start out life maybe at the minus fifty yard line, and there's other kids that start out maybe at the the plus fifty yard line. You didn't have the easiest time in terms of your childhood growing up. You were maybe in that minus fifty yard line category.
4: No question, I was at the minus fifty yard line. You know, my father was a raging alcoholic, and he came home drunk all the time. You know, came home for the last time when I was about fourteen. Pulled out a shotgun, said he was gonna kill the whole family. My Mm. older brother told him get out of the house and leave us alone. And me and my brother Ronnie went into action. Ronnie grabbed a butcher knife. I grabbed a fry pan because we took the most beatings from my father in the rejection. And um, my mother, she was so strong, but so little. And she just looked at us and told us, get out. She gave us that look like, get out of the house. And we knew she was serious because she knew we were about to do something that probably would have cost our life, uh, you know, a tragedy. And she got us out of the house. And I just remember when we came back, finally came back to the house, he was no longer coming back and you know, that was a happy time for us, but also it was a broken time for us because there it was, you don't have a father in the home. You don't have a male figure to show you any kind of way, direction to grow up and be a, be a man. So we missed that part and we struggled and you know, it it showed out in my life, you know, uh, I always say that my, Pain led me to my greatness, and my greatness would eventually lead me to my destructive behavior.
2: Oh boy! And at that time, Daryl did you did you have some places that could be a bit of a place of escape, whether it be in athletics or in some sort of academic form? Did you have a place to go that just thought, "I'm getting out of dodge here a little bit"?
4: No, we we didn't really have any place to go. You know, we was in such deep fear of you know how strong he was and physically, you know when. He put the extension cord on you. He'd take your shirt off and whoop you with an extension cord, you know, off the vacuum cleaner. And it it was just a crazy time. So we didn't really have any outlets. Our outlets was like, you know, getting into trouble. Ronnie got into trouble. You know, I started off with, you know, smoking marijuana and drinking early, you know, because I was broken on the inside. Brokenness is real. Lawlessness brings about brokenness. And it's just so real. And I think people don't realize that. And they think, what you may you made it to the big leagues, you should be happy. You know, that doesn't make you happy. Money doesn't make you happy. You still have this trauma that you deal with for the rest of your life until you get healed, and nobody can heal you but Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate uh, healer of all things. When I came to that place, allowing myself to be healed.
2: Yeah, boy, I I would imagine that some of those early years did have a pretty significant impact, even as you were starting to experience the trajectory of success into your major league career. You broke into the big leagues pretty early with the New York Mets, and, and of course, your name was well-known all around the country. For a while, uh, did you feel sort of this false sense of healing a bit, a sense of, hey, I made the success that I desired, and, and it kind of soothed that, but it was maybe a permanent and illusory sort of healing?
4: Well, I just kind of wanted to prove my point to my father that I was going to grow up to be something because he said I would never amount to anything. Mm. And there it was. I proved it to myself, you know, that I played Major League Baseball and I made it. But at the same time, you know, they just made me a baseball player. The uniform covered up the wounds and scars. The scars and wounds are real. And like I said before, you can't heal them. Money can't heal them. Stuff can't heal them. You know, people always carry them with them until... You know, you get to a place and you find this healing process and, you know, that's a process. That's not an overnight miracle. And yes, I was really successful at what I was doing. But man, when I take that uniform off, I used to think, man, who am I? Yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: I remember when I had an opportunity, I still do, to cover the NBA, Daryl. So these are the professional basketball players of our country. And, and you can kind of sense when you're in the locker room with the players that even despite the trappings of success and, and all of the, the wealth and the power and the prestige that comes with all of it, uh, some seem to be anchored in a different place than those things and, and have a, a character about them that can kind of stand in the midst of it. But others, it, it can really be a hollowed-out life. And I think people from the outside looking in right, say, well, gee, I'd sure like to try that hollowed-out life. But but you really you really did experience the height of, of sort of leaning into things in this world that can't bring hope. You had everything you'd ever want. And yet you took off that uniform and, and there wasn't that abiding sense of hope at that
4: time. No, for sure. You know, you think it is. And you make a good point there, you know, because you can look good from the outside and you dress up well and everything and you buy everything you want. And you think that's really going to make you feel well. It doesn't because you continue to buy more things to try to satisfy that empty void on the inside. That empty void is there, you know. And I just remember the book of Ecclesiastes. I mean, King Solomon was saying it's meaningless under the sun without God. Here is the man was the richest, wisest, and In Jerusalem, and here he goes to say it's meaningless under the sun without God, because he said there is an empty void on the inside of us, shape that only God can fill, and I can imagine what he was talking about because when I read that book, uh, the first three chapters, he said, "I, I did this, I built that, I, 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 I," and you know, Mm -hmm. I ends up not being. It ended up being him being sorrowful for, you know, just thinking, why did I stray away from God? All he had to do is put God in the middle of that. The Holy Spirit was showing me that. Keep God in the center of what God has done and not you have done. And you will always find the joy and happiness on the inside of who you are when you talk about God.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: That's really well said, Daryl. We're going to take a short break. I want to get into that a little further about what were some of those first steps for you from this sort of life of hollowness, despite having all of the trappings of success and into a life of enduring faith. And we're talking with Major League Baseball player, former Major League Baseball player, but more importantly, fellow follower of Jesus this morning, Daryl Strawberry. And we've got a a couple books that we can give away if you want to text the studio at 877 933 2484. Daryl's written a book called Turn Your Season Around, How God Transforms Your Life. More to come with Daryl Strawberry next on Mornings Without Carmen.
0: Talking baseball.
2: It is about 13 minutes for the top of the hour here on the 29th of January. We're chatting with Daryl Strawberry about his book, Turn Your Season Around, How God Transforms Your Life. One more time, you can text the studio with the word book. I know, Paul Perot. there's a lot of text coming in for that book. Our our line is swamped, and that's outstanding. Keep texting the word book into the studio at 877 933 Daryl, you and I were chatting during the break a little bit about this idea of human flourishing, and, and it's a word that seems to be making its way into Christianity, but we might not be a little bit careful what we think about here because we could probably put up on the board, uh, on a whiteboard, underneath the subheading flourishing, words like having financial capacity or autonomy or opportunity or relationships, whatever it might be, but dare we say we could also erase that word flourishing and put up as the subheading the word idols that, that we can so quickly turn these very things into the trappings that really can't bring life to us
4: well that's really what's happening in our society you know people are getting consumed with all these earthy things and not picking up the Bible and not the revelation of who you are is in the Bible has been there forever and I think people have gotten away from that inside away from God and his principles because that means you have to change you have to do things a different way but you don't understand when you do that you're going to be set free you're not going to be having these Desires for earthly things, and I think the problem with most people is that they do not know the Bible. You know, mm. my, and the Bible says, "My people perish because of lack of knowledge." You know, they, there's there's no knowledge and understanding. That's why people are perishing. They're chasing earthly idols and. You know, Jesus is the great idol. I mean, he is the mm. Messiah, he's the king. He's everything that you're looking for. He's He's the symbol of the cross. You know, that blood on that cross is holy blood. And when it touches you, it purifies you, liberates you, redeem you, brings you to wholeness and righteous standards with God. Now you get to live a abundant life that he talks about. An abundant life is not stuff. You know, that John 10, 10, he said, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He's talking about peace, joy, wisdom, knowledge, power, far greater than any stuff that you can ever ever imagine mm.
2: amen daryl on that and, and you are somebody that has walked in those trappings of success that we talked about and yet you did find that abundant life but i'm guessing for you there is some dimension of it where you sort of had to come to the end of yourself I'm, I'm so mindful of jesus's first words where he says blessed are the poor in spirit or blessed are those that are kind of at the end of their rope with with pursuing these different idols because they might start looking for something different i'm, I'm guessing that marks at least some part of your journey
4: no question. You know, you got to come to the end of yourself. That's your ego, a three-letter word, easing God out. you got to let God crush <laughs> your ego. <laughs> so when you let him crush your ego, then you can walk in humility. You can be like a guy like Moses who had a speech impediment, but God used him mightily because of what? His meekness, his, his humbleness. You know, he had humility, and he led the Israelites out of bondage, you know, after 400 years of slavery. So, you know, God will do great things if a man can submit himself. You know, and I think that's the problem with so many of us. We don't want to submit ourselves to God, but I guess we'll submit ourselves to everything else. We'll submit ourselves to the idols. We'll submit ourselves to the success. We'll chase after that. We'll follow them, but we won't follow the biblical principles. And that's where where I came to the place. I didn't no longer want to be a hypocrite anymore. I didn't want to be this athlete saying Jesus, and I just knew his name, but I didn't know his power.
1: Hmm.
2: That's an incredible invitation, Daryl. I think a lot of us can sympathize with the idea of this hollowed out life that we've been talking about, where we, we might say, Lord, Lord, on the outside, but uh, but we, we maybe are unfamiliar with the pathways that that the way to really develop this life of character and hope from the inside out is that place of impoverishment. It is that place of failure. It is that place of, I really don't have what it takes. And, and those are where the words of Paul come in yeah. that say, hey, I have this, this treasure in this clay vessel because the all-surpassing power is coming from God and not myself. That's a different kind of power, man, than, than the power that you might have in the bright spotlights of New York.
4: No question. It's a great place to be when you understand that, when you understand you're weak and you need him and you need, need to, to lean on God every day, not just some days, but every day. That's, that's second, um, second Corinthians 12, 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know, And when you're weak and you allow him to work in you and use his strength strength. You become everything that you could never imagine. And I think that's the problem with so many of us. We don't understand that. We we want to try to do it on our own strength, and we can't. We're not capable. We're living in a society that's broken, uh, lawlessness, emptiness. It's, it's there. It's around all of us. And pick up, your, pick up your crown, you know, pick up your crown, the Bible, you know, and read it for yourself and get the revelation. Uh, God's going to speak to you and through you when you pick the Word of God up. And part
2: of your book, Daryl, where the turn your season around, you talks about the idea of small daily decisions, maybe hidden from the public, things that you're doing in, in the privacy of your own home. I was convicted by a guest that we had at the at the end of last hour. His name is Dr. Gary Stratton, and he was talking about if you if you just look at your phone and how much time you're spending in certain apps or reading news sites or filling your mind with with who knows what from those news sites. That that's very different than the small daily decisions of following God, and that's part of the invitation in your book, right? This isn't one big transformative moment in the life, but Transformation comes in those daily decisions.
4: Transformation comes when you spend quality time with God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will teach you all things in remembrance of Jesus Christ. And if you're too busy in your phone, you're missing what God has to say for you. I say, if you don't have a Bible and your Bible's not highlighted, then you don't know what you're doing because picking up that phone and looking at that phone and saying, well, I got a Bible on my phone, but how many times you read it, actually read it because you got so many other apps and there's so many other distractions because the enemy's clever. You know, he keeps you busy looking at things that you're not supposed to be looking at and searching for instead of reading the Word of God. And he's been doing that forever. I mean, there's no news to him. You know, he... He knows how to deceive people. And I think as people, we don't understand that the, that's what these uh, cell phones and, and, and computers and all these iPads and things came for. The Internet came for to distract you and keep you from the purpose of the, your creation, who you were created for. You're, we are all created for God. Yes, my baseball career was my baseball career. A lot of players play baseball and have success. But do they really live for the kingdom of God. You know, mm-hmm. I saw one player when I was playing on my team live for the kingdom of God. And two players, Mookie Wilson and Gary Carter, they were living for God and playing Major League Baseball. And it was the most incredible sight I ever seen. I wanted what they had, but I just didn't have the guts to do what they did to get there.
2: It's mm-hmm. oh, fascinating. Yeah, Gary played with quite a light in his eyes, at least outside looking in when you would watch him on TV. There, there was a joy that seemed to be coming from somewhere different.
4: Oh, totally different. Totally, di- His joy was in the Lord. He had peace that surpasses all understanding. It wasn't the baseball uniform. It was him having a relationship with Jesus Christ. He didn't condemn anybody. People would say things about him because he drank milk. I wish I could have drink, been drinking milk at that time, you know, and playing it my whole career. <laughs> you know, guys were laughing and persecuting him and he would just smile, and and, and he would just— not, con- like I said, condemn anybody and point his fingers at anybody. What a remarkable way to witness for the Lord.
2: Yeah, it really is. It calls to mind that passage that Paul says, I've learned the secret of contentment, right? In all things, whether you have a bunch or a little, it doesn't really matter. I can do all things through Jesus who gives me strength. And, and, and what, a, what a testimony they shined in your life at that time, Mookie and Gary did.
4: Yeah, it was a great testimony. And I, I tell you, I, I just thought about them. And, and that's why I'm the man I am today, because you know what? I saw that it could be done. And they lived it. And I'm living it today, exactly what they were living. It took me a while to get here, but I'm glad I got here. I had to go through some really rough uh, times, but I'm grateful for the rough times. and grateful for the scars because they allowed me to come to a place where I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed to talk about my scars, because my scars my wounds can help somebody else get healed when I point them to the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ.
2: Now, well, Daryl, thanks so much for joining us this morning with just the rawness, with the honesty, the vulnerability of the journey. I think a lot of people in playing the games of hiding don't want other people to see maybe the lives that they are living in private and don't know how to come to the end of themselves. Your uh, invitation in the book that you write, and all of its rawness, tells us a bit about what God's kingdom is really about, and that is where the weak become strong and if you want to find your life you have to lose it all of these upside down words of jesus so thanks for the testimony and the
4: witness that you're bearing at this point all right i really appreciate it thanks for having me you guys bless you guys
2: yeah have a great rest of the morning and weekend we'll take a short break here and wrap up our show for the 29th of january on mornings without carmen
0: so i'm thankful for the scars because without them
2: Boy, at the risk of a series of double negatives here, Paul, that wasn't not delightful (laughs) to (laughs) to talk with Daryl Strawberry. I mean, you know, somebody that has achieved the kind of stature and fame that he did and recognized uh, all the emptiness that it is. Vanity, vanity, right? All is vanity. Mm -hmm. And he founded an enduring kingdom in the anonymity of his home, reading the scriptures as he's going day by day and then bringing that light into the world. It's an invitation for all of us, regardless of where we are in these trappings of success.
0: It is amazing how... Okay. A lot of us, we read the Bible, and it's like, okay, we're reading it. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just...
2: Boom. Boom. Yeah.
0: Brings it to life, and sometimes in our darkest moments, and... Praise God what he did for
2: Daryl. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was just a great joy to be with you this week, Paul, to be with you, all the listeners and all these different angles about talking about God's kingdom and and, uh, just leave you with some of the ideas that uh, we talked about with Gary Stratton earlier this morning about being an apprentice in God's kingdom just requires that day-to-day intentional, sometimes grind, sometimes joy of the work of following Jesus. It's how we become blacksmiths as it were in the kingdom. And uh, those disciples, they sure didn't start having the wisdom and stature and character of the one that they follow. They were a complete disasters why would we think any different about ourselves but take hope where our sin abounds grace abounds all the more and so we can pick up our cross yet again today one more day step by step one foot in front of the other becoming apprentices in the king and he promises that he will increasingly fill us with his wisdom and his power and his joy to shine a light in the world have a great weekend everybody we'll catch you next week as a guest on mornings with carmen